Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're talking Cinderella as well as all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. We do indeed, Tim. So this version of Cinderella, which we're going to review today, is a modern movie musical with a bold take on the classic fairy tale. Our ambitious heroine has big dreams, and with the help of her fab godmother, she perseveres to make them come true. This version of Cinderella is written and directed by Kay Cannon, who wrote the Pitch Perfect movies. Mm. It stars Camila Cabello, Billy Porter, Adina Menzel, Nicholas Galitzine, James Corden, Pierce Brosnan and Minnie Driver. Tim, I was surprised by just how much I enjoyed this film. I didn't think I was going to like it. Are you joking? No, I was really surprised. It was a lot of fun. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that is, I'm actually floored by that. And I'm really even more excited to talk about this movie because I think, and I'm sure you already know where I'm going, is that I was completely opposite in my feeling towards this film. Oh, really? I'm... Even more surprised. Okay, please expand. Okay, well, I'll start here and then I'm going to lead into a question for you because I, because I'm curious. So we have a Cinderella here who aspires to be a businesswoman in the simplest of terms, right? She wants to be a dressmaker or a fashion designer, but lives in this small town in the shadow of a king and his rule. So women are still being ostracized, yet Ella knows what she wants. Mm. So... Lee, this is being coined as a modern movie musical with a bold take on a classic fairy tale. I want your take on this as a woman. Mm -hmm. How did you think that this bold modern take on this classic fairy tale sat with you? Well, it's really hard to make a cohesive modern story of empowerment out of an ancient fairy tale that isn't empowered, especially if you still set it in medieval ancient times. So in terms of the story, it was quite uneven. I'll give you that. Okay, the script and the story was was quite uneven, but I did enjoy that none of the women are vilified in this story. 
I mean, yes, in terms of a character, Cinderella is is downtrodden and everything. But I even found myself feeling sympathy for the stepmother, for Adina Menzel as the stepmother. Like the women are struggling against, you know, the patriarchy and the monarchy and they've all got their own struggles. Whether it delved into those struggles enough and really fleshed them out, no, I don't think they did. Yeah, look, I found them to be painfully surface level. But I do understand why you think that Idina Menzel, the evil stepmother, as she's always known as, kind of that you felt sympathy for her. I kind of understand how you Mm. got there, but it was just very, very, very surface level. Okay, so this version of the Cinderella story, I think was just a textbook example of why we need and deserve original storytelling. I didn't find anything new being offered here. And it just left me feeling so frustrated and actually angry because Mm. it was just so bad. Mm. It was just so bad. Okay. Well, I do agree that the connection to the Cinderella story is quite thin. I did find it strange that the character of Cinderella isn't one that we really recognise. She seemed more like a rebellious teenager than a downtrodden slave to her stepmother and sisters. I mean, the worst they asked her to do was make a cup of tea. Right, yeah, and she made it wrong, of course. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, she's just living in the basement making her dresses. She wants to be a dressmaker. That's the whole, you know, her ambition. But I might have believed it more if she was forced to make all their dresses for them. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if if her talents were being used for them rather than for her own cause, that would feel more like Cinderella. And, you know, they mentioned once that she was called Cinderella because she had a bit of black on her face. That made no no sense whatsoever to me. The original fairy tale was tenuous, I think. I found it very interesting just to build on that point about how the women, the, the relationship that the women had with each other was that the, the ugly stepsisters – they actually liked Ella. Like they didn't hate her or work Mm. against her. They kind of all got along. And I guess I just found that really abrupt. I was like, oh, uh," because it just went to these places that I wasn't expecting. Yet that's fine. However, I just don't think it worked. I was kind of like, what sort of story are they trying to Mm. tell here and convince you of? You know, I just didn't believe that Ella was, you know, this such a strong character that found herself in this situation. It just felt she didn't work in that story, in that world. It was just all very mixed yeah. tones. But that's because this story was trying to come at a angle of female empowerment. So you can't have women beating each other up because apparently that doesn't happen in normal society. Of course it does. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the men for a second. The men are self-centred, unevolved fuckboys basically, which isn't unusual for fairy tales, but they really hit you over the head with it here, like that message that the men are self-centred assholes. Mm. And then they hastily try to give the prince some depth at the end and it doesn't really work. Like the characters weren't as evolved. Yeah, they were really, really underdeveloped and I just didn't relate or connect with any of them and I just found, yeah, the tone it was going with this bold new take was just boring and uninspired to me. What did you think about the dialogue? Because it was, you know, aesthetically set in this very old looking world with the Mm. costumes and the sets, which we'll talk about later, but they spoke like modern day people, like us in 2021. Did you think that worked? Throwing in some woke dialogue for the millennials. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) You nailed it on the head there. Yeah. Look, it was, it was thin and I'll, I'll give you that. But I mean, the music was outstanding. Don't you think? 
I, I, I don't. Oh, really? No, no. But I want to hear your take on this before I before I jump in. I really loved the opening number. It opens with Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. And I think that really set the pace and the tone for the film. The music mashups that started to evolve throughout the story are very K-Canon pitch perfect. So, yeah, we've heard it before. Yes. Okay, so this is what I'll say is that one of my pet peeves in films is being misled by its marketing. So not in a, oh, I wasn't expecting that and being pleasantly surprised or disappointed kind of way, but in its blatant disregard for being, you know, dishonest about the kind of film it was going to be for the audience so they knew what they were actually, you know, Mm. going in for. And in this case, I had no idea that this was going to be a jukebox musical. There was one or two two original songs in there Mm. and it it just put me on the back foot and I thought I didn't sign up for this and I just didn't lean into it and I found it incredibly cringe in so, so many ways. Okay, I have to know then, what did you think of Mini Driver's Let's Get Loud at the end? Oh, fuck me. Like I was already tapped out way before the final song. (laughs) Like, God. But look, there's there's this song, right, that the Mm. first time – that the prince sings and he sings the queen classic i need somebody to love and there's a line in it that is i work hard every day of my life and i actually shout at the tv no you don't and i just was very bothered by the disconnect that this film had with its own songs in that the lyrics didn't but he thinks he does yeah but uh, yes okay that's fine but i was just like i i just felt that they didn't know what lyrics they were singing and that it just didn't relate to anything that was going on and I found it really, really jarring. Can I throw in a positive to counteract a bit of that? Mm -hmm. I liked that it wasn't a full song. You got just enough of a song to get the gist and the fun of it, the best parts, and it didn't labour on the song so you weren't having to watch it for a long time. The pace of the movie was quite good. Oh, gosh, you know, I'm thinking that we watched two completely different films. <laughs> Maybe it just felt like it was going on for an eternity because you hated it. Well, that's true. And that was my experience. Okay, can I try a different positive, please? See what you think. Yeah, go for it. I was extremely impressed with Camilla Cabello as Cinderella. I was really surprised by her performance chops. Because when you get singers in roles like this, often it's quite forced and they're not used mm-hmm. to it. I mean, even though they're they're performers, you know, acting is performing, singing is performing. Somehow they don't cross over as well. Yeah. But I was really impressed with her performance. She was really enjoyable to watch. I think most of the time it felt like she was in a music video, which makes sense. It was a jukebox musical (laughs) and that's what she does for a job. Yeah. So she felt very comfortable in that space. So I'll give you that. And I also wasn't put off by her performance either. I thought she commanded a really good presence and, you know, she worked as good with what she had as she could, I think. So I'll I'll give you that, Lee. Okay, let me try another one. Billy Porter. (laughs) Tell me you liked Billy Porter. They were fantastic as the fabulous genderless godmother. Yes, I did love what they brought to the film. It was just a little too late for me. And I do have one question Mm. relating to the fabulous godmother. So Ella, mm-hmm. she rescued a caterpillar that just happened to be glowing in her basement <laughs> growing and she talks to it once fondly and then it becomes Billy Porter's take on the fairy godmother. I was like, what the fuck? She's rescuing caterpillars? I just, I didn't get it. So when they showed up, I was like, yeah, but why? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but 
why does she talk to animals in the original fairy tale? Well, that's fine because that's within that context and it's established and you accept it, you know, talking to her mice and, and all the rest of it. But here I just was like, why does she have a cocoon? Why would she rescue a caterpillar? What, what was the story behind that? It just was very odd. Okay, Idina Menzel. Gotta love everything Idina Menzel does. She's fucking fabulous uh, and terrifying as the stepmother here. There were some moments where you're like, ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not evil though. As I said, she had me feeling sorry, feeling sympathy for the stepmother. I did love her take on Material Girl. I'll give her that. I think it's an excellent song. Mm. I love Madonna, of course. I'm a gay. I love Madonna. <laughs> so when you have Adele Dezim singing a Madonna <laughs> classic, you, you get a little bit excited. One character I thought was really great and completely underutilised was Princess Gwen, played by Tallulah Grieve. Mm. Fantastic character and her storyline was completely wasted. Yeah, completely wasted, underutilised because she was potentially could have been that breath of fresh air in this story and what it was actually trying to do, bringing it back to that bold take on a classic fairy tale sentiment. Mm. And, yeah, she felt very out of place because she was thrown into this world of Pierce Brosnan, the king, who was living in pantomime central. Mm. You also had Minnie Driver as the queen who was completely wasted as well. Yeah. yeah, within this real mix of characters and, yeah, Gwen was a loss to the story. And then you get the three mice footmen played by a couple of comedians and James Corden who were completely pointless and unfunny. Completely pointless, completely unfunny and completely not there clearly on set as they were filming. Did you notice that? Oh, no. Every shot that they were in, it was clear that they were filmed somewhere else and edited in later. There was never any convincing two-shot with Ella and the mice. You know, it was just odd. So they obviously weren't available to film in principal photography at the time and you could really tell that disconnect. It played into that disconnect between those characters and why they were fucking there in the first place. I didn't notice that. I'm going to have to look at that again. Okay, Mm. scraping the bottom of the barrel Mm. in terms of the character hierarchy, the town crier played by Ben Bailey Smith was fantastic. So many great moments there, don't you think? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it just felt like... A Hamilton ripoff, and oh. it just gyrated me more. I'm sorry, Lee, and I, I appreciate we're at the we're at the bottom of the barrel now, and you're doing everything that you can. <laughs> I respect on, everything that you say. Find a positive. I'm okay, sorry. costumes. Let's talk about the costumes. You've got to find some positives okay. in the costumes. I will agree. There we go. I really like the costumes. They were fabulous. Yep. What else have you got to say about the costumes? They were gorgeous. They really mixed their fairy tale gowns with the modern twists and you could still move and dance in them. And I loved Billy Porter's fabulous godmother outfit. It was divine. Yes, absolutely beautiful. And I wanted them to stay in the film for the whole time. It was a real shame that they had to, uh, you know, flutter off after their big, big moment. All right, Tim, I can feel that you really want to get out of this review. So why don't we wrap up Cinderella? You know, I've never felt that way before, but I think you're actually right. I just need to get (laughs) out. We'll end with you because yours will clearly be more positive for, for you listening. All right. Cinderella opening with the classic and expected line once upon a time for me, Cinderella quickly became once upon a time. I wish I got back. The film felt like an episode of LL Cool J's lip sync battle, half expecting him to pop up at the end and thank everyone for tuning in. But alas, 
We got an unfunny, uninspiring, cringe romp that left me completely bewildered at how it even got made. I'm going to rate Cinderella half a popcorn kernel. I don't know if I can follow that, but I'm going to try. I don't think there are enough elements of the fairy tale here to make Cinderella a cohesive update of the traditional story. And the story itself, I'll admit, is uneven and thin. However, the music, the glamour of the costumes and the headlining cast all make Cinderella a super fun watch that younger generations will really appreciate. And that's who it's geared towards, let's be honest. I'm not the target audience. You probably aren't either. But I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the overall experience. I'm giving Cinderella three popcorn kernels out of five. All right, so this is a call to arms for the target audience. Cinderella is available to stream now on Amazon Prime Video with a subscription to the service. Before we move on, Tim, I just quickly have to ask, are you a fan of the Pitch Perfect movies? I like number one. Yeah. And I surprisingly like number two, but I thought number three was really quite awful what's your relationship with that series yeah no I feel the same so I'm completely surprised that you didn't enjoy this take because it's very K canon and pitch perfect yes it is I just don't think she nailed anything but anyway you did say I could get out of this review Lee so should we move on yes let's move on Before we jump into the full news, there's an interesting documentary launching on digital platforms in Australia on September 6 called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. Now, this is a bonkers film. It's billed as an outrageous comeback tale chronicling the actor's return to professional wrestling. I had no idea that he went into professional wrestling. Me either. And I'm just so glad that this documentary exists for us to <laughs> like learn this. Yeah. And, and like discover what the hell David Arquette had going on 20 years yeah. ago and now. So David Arquette was branded as the most hated man in wrestling after winning a highly controversial World Heavyweight Championship in the year 2000. David Arquette now attempts a rocky return to the sport that stalled his Hollywood career. Determined to redeem his reputation and reclaim his self-respect, Arquette will apparently stop at nothing to earn his place in professional wrestling. Now, Lee, you said this film was bonkers. What else do you want to like share about this movie? Yeah, I'm not sure how to encapsulate it, to be honest, because you know wrestling is as much about stories as it is about wrestling. And this movie builds out basically an extended backstory but based on real stuff. So it's not really a straight documentary. It's more like a mockumentary, but not not really intentionally funny. Like it's, if you find yourself laughing at his life, you kind of feel bad because he's had quite a rough time of it over the last couple of decades. Yeah, super rough. And he's very raw and open and honest yeah. about that. And you kind of tap further into his life and his character by talking with his current wife, his daughter, 14-year-old daughter Coco, his ex-wife, Courtney Cox, his sister, Patricia Arquette. So there's a great catchment of, you know, them sharing who David is mm. and his in his demons and what torments him. There was a line in this film that really stuck with me that made me feel for him mm. and respect him a lot because he goes, I don't care about being a champ. I care about respect. Mm. He really loved the sport of professional wrestling. And I think if anything that was to come through in this bonkers film, it was that. Yeah. And, you know, it was sad to see that nobody believed in him. Not his family, Mm. not the professionals. You know, his win was considered a huge disgrace because he wasn't a wrestler. He was in a heavyweight championship and he obviously wasn't a heavyweight. (laughs) 
So respect is a really big deal to him. And, you know, going back to the bonkers statement, there was one moment in this that I had not heard of. And, you know, there's an accident in the ring where he gets stabbed in the neck. Yeah. And I thought, is this staged? Hang on. No, this doesn't look staged. But but hang on. Is this real? And I had to Google it and I was like, oh, my God, this is real. Like he got stabbed in the neck. He could have died. It, this film really blurred the lines between what was yes. real and what wasn't. And I think that's what made it so fucking interesting. It's so captivating. And I've got a little anecdote. This this movie resonated deeply with me because my uncle Paul, who had Down syndrome, he sadly passed a few years ago. Mm. He loved wrestling, Lee. He loved it. And I spent a lot of my childhood sitting down watching wrestling on Fox 8 in Australia with him, you Mm. know, usually on a Saturday morning or whenever it was. And he just adored the sport. He got so excited. He was so passionate about it. And I just really felt that connection that David Arquette had because Mm. I saw it through my uncle. So it was real. And I got a lot more out of this documentary than I was expecting. Yeah, you get that real connection, that real emotional pull from the story. And then there's a scene Mm. where he gets his, you know, sack and crack waxed. And you're like, I didn't need to see that. Oh my God. You know, I, we keep going back to this word bonkers and you are right in, you know, the stab in the neck thing, but it's almost like you go in this dizzy state of like, what was the most bonkers thing that I thought it was, you know, the street wrestling in Mexico. Yeah. One of my favorite visual moments of the film was when he was wearing that wizard cape and he's vaping, but he's sitting on a horse and he's ranch <laughs> or whatever. And I thought, fuck, I love this movie so much. Yeah, it's a really interesting documentary. So you cannot kill David Arquette is on digital platforms in Australia from Monday, September 6th. Make sure you check it out. It is really worth a watch. Absolutely. All right, Lee, let's jump straight into our news section now. So Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham and Dolph Lundgren are reprising their roles in another Expendables movie. Another one. (laughs) Your face just says it all, Lee. This will be the fourth instalment in the franchise about a team of embattled mercenaries who carry out covert missions. These are actually really popular movies. They've done quite well. The previous films have featured a huge lineup of action superstars, including Jean-Claude Van Damme, Chuck Norris, Harrison Ford, Antonio Banderas. But this time around, they're joined by Megan Fox and Tony Jaa, and they join the veteran cast with more announcements to be made soon. I'm glad that Megan Fox is throwing a hat into the ring here, more female representation Mm. in here, and I think she's going to be absolutely badass. But a previous film has had Ronda Rousey in it. Yes, and that was great. That was a great addition, so I'm glad that they're continuing that trend of of bringing more women into the franchise, so I'm excited. So, Tim, Francis Ford Coppola, the godfather of cinema, if you will, is willing Mm. to put $100 million of his own money on the line to get his ultimate dream project made, Megalopolis. The second unit footage of City Sounds and New York architecture was even filmed for it 20 years ago. So it's been on his mind for decades. I just love how extra Coppola is, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. So Coppola actually wrote Megalopolis in the 1980s and it follows an architect who wants to rebuild New York City as a utopia following a devastating disaster. The passion project has been thwarted in the past by 9-11 and scheduling and financing issues, but the director is now in talks with an epic cast to get it up and running, including Australia's Kate Blanchett, Oscar Isaac, Forrest Whitaker, my gosh, Michelle Pfeiffer, John Voigt, James Kahn and Jessica Lang. Oh my God. What a cast. Oh my God. Hopefully we'll see it, you know, within the next couple of decades. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> 
Oh, Tim, so exciting. We got the final trailer for No Time to Die and it dropped ahead of the film's Australian release on November 11. We mentioned that we're getting it a bit later than the US, unfortunately. Daniel Craig's fifth and final outing as Bond will release in the US on October 8. I'm not sure I can I can wait weeks for it, Tim. It's just, oh, give it now. I, I'm sick of waiting, but I'll, I'll hold on tight. The marketing team, we've mentioned this before, are working yes. around the clock to keep excitement around this film and Mm. I think that this trailer delivered something I wasn't Mm. expecting. Do you know what I love about this trailer? It just showed how completely freaking over it James Bond is as a character. You know, he's been betrayed, he's been knocked around, he like left the business. He's just like, ugh, I'm done with this. And it fits in so well with Daniel Craig himself and I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the perfect sentiment to take away. I'm excited. All right, so speaking of trailers, an announcement teaser, which is a new phrase I've never heard before, was released for Roland Emmerich's upcoming sci-fi action film Moonfall, starring Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, Michael Pienaar, Donald Sutherland and more. Yeah, the premise is about a mysterious force knocking the moon from its orbit around Earth and sending it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. Of course, it's up to a small team led by a former astronaut to save us all. Now, this does kind of sound familiar, but Roland Emmerich knows how to do big sci-fi space action, doesn't he? Oh, yes, he does. The day after tomorrow, Independence Day, 2012, Mm. you know, he's barking up the tree that he knows very, very well here. Still on trailers, we got a first look teaser for Netflix's Red Notice starring Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. So what's it all about, Tim? An Interpol-issued Red Notice is a global alert to hunt and capture the world's most wanted. But when a daring heist brings together the FBI's top profiler and two rival criminals, there's no telling what will happen. Now, do you see Dwayne Johnson as a top FBI profiler and Ryan Reynolds as a genius criminal? Uh, No, no, I don't. But here we have Red Notice and I'll be happily proven Otherwise, I don't know. Something about the roles seemed like they should have been switched. Yes, but maybe therein lies the genius of this that we're not really aware of, right? When you kind of go against typecast. I don't know, Lee, whether it was due to the incredible trailers we got this week, but I was a little bit underwhelmed by the Red Notice trailer. A lot of witty quips and not a lot of action, maybe? Yes. And, you know, that's fine. That'll come, I'm sure. But I was kind of a little bit, oh, everyone's been talking about this movie for so Mm. long. And I thought it would just pack a bigger punch. So Red Notice is available on Netflix from November the 12th. And if you want to check out all of these trailers that we've been talking about, head over to our YouTube channel where you can see them there. So we can't have a new section on Popcorn Podcast without Mm. announcing a whole slate of new release dates. This time for Paramount... Uh, where a lot of their titles have been pushed back to next year, 2022. It includes the likes of Top Gun, Maverick, Mission Impossible 7 and Jackass Forever. Yeah, that's sad news, Tim. I was really excited to see some of these titles this year and they'd already kind of been pushed from last year, I think, hadn't they? Some of them. Yeah, they had. Well, Venom Let There Be Carnage has also been delayed in Australia to November 25, but in good news... Spider-Man No Way Home has been brought forward to December 16. That's quite exciting. It was a Boxing Day release, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, And while Ghostbusters Afterlife has been pushed to New Year's Day. We also spoke a couple of weeks ago about Hotel Transylvania Transformania, as it's called, moving to Amazon 
in the US. But here in Australia, it's looking like it will get a theatrical release in January sometime, although this is TBC. So mm. keep your ear out and we'll, we'll let you know once we know. That's promising. I'd like to see it on the big screen. And January is such a great time of year in mm. Australia to release, you know, family animated movies because everyone's on summer holidays and, mm. you know, escaping the 40-degree heat in the cinemaplex. It's the perfect time. Well, let's hope that by that stage Australia will be in summer holiday mode and we won't still be mostly locked down. It's been quite a tough time here having all the movies delayed and cinemas shut down and the arts industry suffering. So we're really looking forward to getting out of this. It has been tough, but we are hopeless optimists here on Popcorn Podcast. <laughs> yeah. And we thank you once again for joining us as we reviewed Amazon Prime's Cinderella, which you can watch on that platform. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.